Alhamdulillah 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 Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu may yudlilhu fala hadiya lahu wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa nashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله العظيم my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. Wanu'minu bihi, wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we will bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. <coughs> but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and many more, and many more. And my beloved brothers and sisters, I ask you the same question I ask every single time I stand before you, and that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves, take a look at our world and ask ourselves what is changing. Whether you compare yourself today with a week ago, whether you compare yourself today with the beginning of the school year, or even all the way back to last Ramadan, last June. Ask yourself, what is changing? What is changing in the world? We have the ongoing situations in Palestine, in Somalia, in the Sudan, in the Central African Republic, in Myanmar, in Kashmir, so forth and so on. And one thing that, at the very least, these are reminders of when we hear about the body counts coming from Syria and such, is that people are getting called back to their judgment faster and faster. And it's also, once again, frightening when it doesn't make the news because it is so commonplace. Like, for example, the killings that take place in Chicago. Already we've had over 100 murders in Chicago just by gun violence. And think about this because it does not make the news very much anymore because it is so commonplace. Bring this a, close, a step closer to home. What is the relationships that you have with your friends and family? How have they evolved in the past year? Are you more conscientious when you interact with your family? Are you more forgiving when you interact with your friends and family? When you are spending time with friends and family, how much of that time is beneficially or used productively and how much of that time is wasted? Now keep in mind, if you're spending time together not in doing wrong, it is still probably beneficial time because you are still getting closer and closer to each other. It doesn't mean that when you're together you always have to be praying. Just stay away from those things that are forbidden. And then closer to home, ask yourself, what is the condition in your heart when you think of the divine? What is the condition of your heart when you think of God, when you think of Allah? 
Are you closer to him today than you were a year ago? Are you more conscious of him today than you were a year ago? When you are raising your hands in prayer, in supplication, are you more confident today than a year ago that he is listening? That he is listening and answering. That he is listening and answering to your satisfaction. Because keep in mind, this is my choice, what I think of Allah. And we are taught that whatever it is you think of Allah, that is whatever Allah is to you. If you think of Allah as a punisher, then you will see your life as punishment. If you see Allah as absent, then you will see absence in your life. And if you see Allah as the one who is pouring mercy upon you, upon more and more mercy, upon more and more mercy, and that is how you will experience life itself. And so imagine that you have two twins raised with the exact same material background in the exact same house. And imagine one sees the divine, one sees Allah as someone who is pouring mercy upon mercy upon mercy on him. And the other one, when thinking of Allah, thinks only of anger and punishment as though God is out to destroy him. Both of them are raised in the exact same uh, situation day after day, but one sees his life as mercy and the other sees his life as punishment. And what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? What you see of Allah is in your control. And then from there, you can look at what are your responsibilities with your friends and family, the amount that you have control over. You have control over forgiveness of your family. You have control over forgiveness of your friends. You have control over going the extra mile to serve your family and your friends. Whether or not they receive it, that is up to them. And then when we get into the bigger questions, in our school we like to speak so much about social justice. All of you should get this running through your blood, starting from the Prophet, peace be upon him. Then on top of that, looking at your experience at Loyola, you are in control of what you do also in service to this society. Look at what you have control over, and then all the rest, as far as you're concerned, is what Allah is controlling over. Now, a question that I receive very, very frequently, especially as of late, from quite a few of our brothers and sisters, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, because it's so common, is a lot of people are coming with questions about faith, with concerns about faith, with people who feel like they're struggling with faith. And to put that into perspective, the most common issue that I was receiving from the office visits last year, 1450, no, 1516, was anxiety that the most common complaint that our Muslim brothers and sisters on campus were suffering from was anxiety. And it makes sense, especially if you go back to the time two years ago when the three Syrian kids were murdered in Chapel Hill. That got under, under many of our, that, uh, that got under our skin for many of us here. And anxiety became a very, very common concern, especially with the way the political rhetoric was. And this year, there's been a lot of complaints about anxiety. And as we've discussed before, and some of us have experienced directly, that as we got closer to the election, more and more anxiety was growing. What's going to happen with us? And then the election happened. And then as we got closer to the inauguration, the, the anxiety even grew to the point that people were coming into my office literally in tears with fear about what is going to happen to us. And you've already heard my answer to that. We don't know. You and I don't know where we are going to be in a year from now. Allah knows best what is going to be our condition. But the point is 
that a lot of times when you're coming to my office with such and such issue, more than likely you are not even remotely alone. More than likely, maybe five other people have come with the same issue. Okay. Whether it's anxiety, whether it is fear, whether it is concern about dysfunction in your family, whether it is concern about academic problems. And as I've said, in the past couple of weeks, the most common issue has been questions of faith. And when we look at what's happening in the world, destruction upon destruction upon destruction, when you turn on the news, when you turn on the internet, or you look through your social, your social media feed, why wouldn't your faith get challenged? When you see what is happening, not just to innocent people, but especially to children throughout the world, why wouldn't your faith be challenged? But also keep in mind that what we see in the world, what we re regard as the reality, is also our choice. Because the news is not going to cover things that are peaceful, right? That's not news. The fact that some of these things are news at least tell us that they're out of the ordinary. Think back to my point a few moments ago when I said that we don't hear very much about gun violence in Chicago, which is frightening because it is so common. There'll be a headline here, there'll be a headline there. Some sites will have body counts. But the point is that that is still the anomaly. If you look at the amount of violence that is, being, uh, taken, that is taking place in this world, it should shock everyone. Why? Because we are taught and we say so many times that Allah says to the children of Israel, this is in Surah 5, that if you take one life, it's as though you've taken all mankind. If you save one life, it's as though, it's as though you've saved all mankind. And what is a lesson to take from that? That one life is so valuable that you can't even measure it. One life is so valuable that you can't even measure it. You might as well put all the lives together. And so think about that anytime you hear about one life that is taken that is more valuable than all that the rest of the universe contains. And take it a step further, each one of those lives was belonging to a person who had hopes, who had dreams, who has a name, who has friends, who has family, and then snuffed out. And what am I saying? That if that's what I notice, why wouldn't my faith be challenged? At least within my faith, why wouldn't my hope be challenged. But then when you look at the bigger picture, how much of the human experience is violence? Too much, but it's still the exception. The exception to the human experience is violence. The norm of the human experience everywhere you go is still peace. Now that doesn't mean that Syria, the default, is peace today. But what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? As you go throughout the world, the default interaction that people have with each other is one of peace. The default that people have in their societies, even when there's corruption, is still order. And keep that point in mind, because if you're only seeing part of the picture, then yes, your faith would and perhaps should be challenged. If you're seeing the entire picture, then you are obliging yourself to see all the goodness that is taking place in the world. Think about this when you even think of the Muslim community. What is your default interpretation of the Muslim community? Keeping the point in mind that we have everything. So if I want to see the Muslim community as a bunch of people who are lazy, corrupt, naive, we have many examples of that. If I want to see the Muslim community as people who are upright, who are struggling, who are doing the right thing, we have many examples of that. 
So what I see is actually what I want to see. Just like I said, what I see in Allah is whatever it is I want to see. It will not capture the reality of Allah. What I want to see of humanity, not just the Muslim community, is whatever it is I want to see. Most of you grew up here, and most of you grew up in an environment where almost everyone is non-Muslim. And you can give me a list of how many of those non-Muslims were corrupt in their behavior, and then you can give me the list of all the non-Muslims who are upright in their behavior. And for all of you, the answer is going to be those who are upright far exceed those who are not. Okay. But it's easy to overlook that. But what am I saying? You control this in your heart. Okay. Thus, if I have struggle believing in Allah, the first step of what I need to do is lift up my hands in prayer to him, saying, Oh Allah, oh God, I don't know if you exist, but I want to believe that you do. And what are we taught? That if you come walking to Allah, what happens? Allah comes running to you. Okay. This goes back to the example of Imam al-Ghazali from a thousand years ago, who went through his own very serious crisis of faith. And when you go through his autobiography, what do you see? Even when he is going through this intense period of doubt, intense period of uncertainty, he still kept praying. Okay. Keep that point in mind, because sometimes we fall into this agnostic trap where we say, okay, I don't know if God exists. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe religion is truth. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there's one correct religion. Maybe they're all. I don't know. But then very often many of us just stop and don't do anything further. And you've heard from me what is the example of doubt. The example of doubt is that you have a beautiful mansion, which in our case is the mansion of Islam in your heart. You have this beautiful mansion with luxuries throughout the mansion, but you have one pipe in your house that has a small leak, and it's dripping. And you know it's there, but you don't want to think about it. That's what doubt does. If you don't work to resolve the doubt in your heart, the pipe keeps dripping. And then what happens eventually? The water seeps into the wood. The water seeps into the stone, into the concrete. And then one day, the entire house collapses right before your eyes. That is how doubt works. But is doubt normal? Of course it is. It's right in the third page of the Quran. If you have doubt about what we have relieved to reveal to our servant, then bring a surah like this. Bring a chapter like the chapter in the Quran. Bring a chapter of any sort of discourse like the Quran itself. Okay. Meaning, doubt is normal. So back to our point that if you're seeing all this destruction or if you're seeing the decay in so many of our Muslim communities and your heart is suffering for it, this is not abnormal. This is actually very normal, but then we do have a prescription on how to deal with it. And now let us take a moment and ask Allah for forgiveness. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, there's some of us who have been blessed with not having doubt. There, the caution is not to get too overconfident because you may be hit with a struggle at some point later on. It could be a family tragedy. It could be immense prosperity. And then the devil dumps in, jumps in and your heart starts to shake. Okay? So what am I also saying before we continue? 
When you have faith, look at it as a jewel that you've been given. And what do you do when you have a precious jewel? You protect it. You take care of it. And the word we use in Arabic for that act of protection of your jewel is taqwa. You're shielding yourself. Meaning when you have faith in your heart, you also work to cultivate it further. But what else are we saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? When you're facing doubt, one starting point is to turn to Allah. And even ask, but also ask that when Allah is guiding you, that you have the sense, you're given the sense to see it. You're given the sense to accept it. This is interesting when you look at the opponents of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Right? These are people who have known him his whole life. Before he received revelation, they were calling him Al-Amin. Not that he's truthful, but it's inconceivable that any, dis any untruth could come from him. They know him as the compassionate one. And then when he starts reciting the Quran, they're recognizing that this is something that could not have been written by a, by a, by a human being. And still so many of them were saying no. And still so many of them were not only saying no, that first they went into character assassination, making fun of him, attacking him, calling him someone possessed. And when that was not enough, then they started even attacking his followers, even though they could recognize that this was truth, but they didn't want to accept it, right? Abu Sufyan, Abu Jahl used to listen to the Prophet, peace be upon him, recite the Quran every night. And then when that was not enough, then they decided that they had to take out the Prophet himself, peace be upon him. You know what I mean by that. And then the Hijra begins, the migration to, to Yathrib, to Medina begins. And when that was not enough, then they declare war on him. All because of one core issue, they did not want to accept the truth, even though they could recognize it right before their eyes. This is something very interesting about human nature. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? When guidance comes, you're also asking Allah to give you the sense, the humility to embrace it, as opposed to rejecting it. You know, when we grow up in this society, we're taught to reject, we're taught to resist, we're taught to protest. Something more true of my generation than your generation. Think of all the television shows you watch. When I was a kid, there wasn't a single positive father in any of the TV shows. I mean, these are shows none of you have probably even heard of, so I'm not even going to mention them. But the point I'm making is that when you're watching this day after day after day, you're conditioned, you're conditioned with a certain type of behavior, that you're smarter than your parents, that your parents don't understand. And this conditions you for protest. And then what happens when you internalize this is that when truth comes, you also want to push back in it for no particular reason. We call this zid, did, stubbornness. What else does it take for someone to open up their heart? One, we're saying prayer. Another, we're saying humility. Sometimes you need to actually go through the text. It's very easy for me to say there's no God if I'm not reading the scriptures to actually see what they say. Because then I'm just making a choice out of ignorance. Okay. So when we're prescribed to bring a surah like what we have in the Quran, it means if you have doubt, you need to get to know the Quran itself. If you have doubt, you need to go read everything else and see which is giving you a more accurate depiction of reality, which one is prescribing a better world. You have to use your mind to your full capacity. Often when we think of religion, we think you have to be dumb for religion. No, this is requiring you to be as smart as you can. For some of us, sometimes the door opens when you hit rock bottom. 
When you feel like you failed everything and everything is failing you, sometimes for some people, your heart will open. But for other people, they were prisoners of the prophet, peace be upon him. He promised, if you embrace me, you'll get everything that you lost back and you'll be given even more. And still, even then, some of the prisoners said no. For some people, they need to hit rock bottom. Others, that doesn't work. Okay? And for a lot of us, think of why people stayed with the prophet, peace be upon him. Think of why some people even turned to him. Some turned to him for the message, and many turned to him because of his compassion, his rahmah. So for many of us, what do we actually need to experience? We need to experience compassion. We need to experience rahmah. And so then what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, a point that I'm making almost every khutbah? How much compassion, how much rahmah, how much charity are you giving to each other? And as I state in every single khutbah, we're reminded that a smile is also charity. Okay, mashallah. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? You are also of responsibility to give rahmah, to give compassion to your brothers and sisters in faith, to your brothers and sisters in humanity, and that is often what is the, one of the best ways for our heart to open up. Because that is the primary relationship that the Prophet, peace be upon him, has with us. He is Rahmah for all the worlds. And that is the primary relationship that Allah has with all of us, Rahmah. So bringing this full circle, I need for my heart to open, I need to be able to feel compassion. I need to be able to feel Rahmah. And then when I look at what is taking place in my immediate world, the beautiful sunny day. Have you ever heard anyone speak of a blue sky with clouds as ugly? No. That's by default beautiful. And as you walk through, through campus, appreciate how beautiful the whole setting is. And that will also open the door to your heart, inshallah. So now I remind you of what Allah says in the Quran about the Prophet ﷺ. The simple translation is indeed, 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 Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet. O you who believe, send blessings upon him. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. O oh Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab nar Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter, and protect us from the fire. O turner of hearts, turn our hearts to your obedience. And please guide us to accept the rahmah that you put upon our hearts. And please make our foothold firm. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salam.